This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and we're back, back again, not just with Dave, co-host, the best co-host I've ever had, but also with a much more important person, author, John Murtick, and we're going to continue talking about the book he wrote, Open Source, Projects Beyond Code. Anything you want to add before we dive into the next part? No, let's dive straight in. Let's go. So, I mean, the, the start of the book is sort of really focused on that that early part of the journey, sort of the the earliest stages of what to think about and how to think about it and that sort of thing. And one of the topics, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, like you cover is the topic around open source licensing and like the elements of that. But <coughs> you, you know, I think you did a really good job of, of keeping it actually very concise and very readable versus, um, uh, sort of, you and I were talking earlier, sort of almost a potential for it to be like, here are all the different open source licenses and here's what's good and bad about each of them and here's what people disagree on. And uh, you actually managed to, A, keep it really, uh, really readable and understandable, but also kept a lot of the, let's say, uh, drama out of out of the, the sort of side of things. I'm guessing that was sort of an intentional kind of move on your part. Very much so, and I appreciate that feedback because that was, you know, everyone gets excited at a topic around licensing. And, you know, even when I talk with projects about licensing, the first thing I always say is I am not a lawyer and I do not provide you legal advice. I encourage you to go suggest, get legal advice if you need it. And and there's, there's a rationale behind that of just, yeah, I'm not a lawyer. But I, I think B is... You're you're kind of right. Like it, there's there's so much of the there's so much of gravitating, I guess, towards the drama, which is maybe a good way to put it. But just sort mm. of towards the, I have a specific view, and this philosophy aligns with my view of the world. Mm. And the reality comes down to is you sort of have to always take a step back and figure out what you're trying to accomplish, and who your community is, and what what are the considerations you work yourself backwards from there. Um, and, 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 and I think just kind of understanding sort of those dynamics just begins you to have like an, a much, a much more informed decision of which path you want to go down and, and licensing is only sort of one aspect to it. I mean, I think there's like mm -hmm. contribution, I know there's IP and things like that. And again, you get a lot of details of this, but yeah, I, I think a lot of my intention here was, is like, just understand where, what you should be thinking about, know that you don't have to be a lawyer to pick a license, obviously. But understanding, like, you know, why people pick one over the other, you know, mm. why one is good in certain circumstances, one may not be as good, um, you know, and, and all that front. And, yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to write anything with licensing that appeals to everybody. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad at least you sort of walked away with that of, you know, nobody will be like throwing, you know, sticks and stones at John for his chapter on licensing. That makes me happy. I mean, similarly, like even if you'd written sort of the the most um, I don't know contentious or overly excited kind of assassination of all different kinds of open source licenses, like you know, a how useful would that be for someone anyway? And like, it's more about it's the whole kind of teach a person to fish versus giving them a fish, like giving people like, this is the right license for you versus like, here are the things to think about when you're choosing a license. It's a much more sustainable approach because, you know, new licenses are will also come out and therefore hopefully 
sort of the advice on here are the things to think about and to look at when you're considering a license will be a bit more evergreen. Yeah, no, I think that's that's basically spot on how I was thinking about it. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's it's just yeah, it's it's just one of those topics that just becomes a lightning rod. And I think that was my intention mm -hmm. to like let's let's get away from the lightning rod aspect and let's just like think about what you are trying to accomplish and use yeah. that as sort of your driving force for and and these based upon what you're trying to accomplish these are the potential avenues out here um you know yeah it works for you yeah but, but, but now what am i going to do with all the popcorn i bought to, to... <laughs> you'll oh, have to bummer. save it for film night instead <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, so another another kind of thing that comes up in this earlier section is around um, kind of people contributing to open source, you know, people being um, an employee of a company. Like there is still, I think, a little bit of a, a misunderstanding or um, maybe a stigma from some HR teams or legal teams of certain organisations of how people can how either people or how organizations can contribute towards open source projects. And I, I think for the most part, organizations have got a little bit better at this over the years. There seems to be a bit of a, generally speaking, a better understanding, but I still see and hear it sort of coming up, people getting concerned about, you know, IP leaking out of their organizations and like, what's this open source thing that my people are spending time on and, yeah, and sort of that sort of thing. And do you think that this is, um, this is something that it is going to change over time? Do you think this is going to be a challenge, um, continuously or, you know, we're getting a lot better you know the great work that's happening in, in in places like the to do group for example and you know you're seeing a lot of like the the big industry practitioners from multiple domains that are coming together and, and building out like different policies and especially ones around different industries like i saw one a couple of weeks ago um where Citibank had posted their open source um program office policies for example which was like one of the big first financial institutions probably than others but one of the one of the most notable ones um, published out of there out of that industry you know i i think with that like so much of the science and art is so coming together with it there's a lot of precedents that we can look at from other you know groups and and, and oftentimes the pointer is is well let's look at sort of like the the web 2.0 or fang companies because they like you know made their billions and billions off of open source and you know we should you know we should all follow their lead and uh and all the practices and we've seen so many of those practices like pumped into software development and you know sometimes they work sometimes they won't it's it just it's just a little bit all over the place so i i, I see I, I see that as an art that is going to be still developing out the one thing that and i hope i tried to try to hit in the book relatively well is so much of from a company is you have to take a sort of a step back and sort of evaluate what your ip even is because there's a lot of companies and i've ran into this a bunch of times before where you know you think something as trivial as like a database interface library is some sort of like magical secret sauce that no one else can do but you and the reality is, is, you know, there, there's like 15,000 different, you know, database interface layers for pretty much every freaking programming language out there. So you making your own is, is, 
I guess it's great if you, you know, if you need a project, but it's there, there's so much expertise you can leverage. So I, I think there's going to be one part of it that's going to be the evolution of the processes and the procedures and things like that. But I think there's also sort of the evolution of the mindset of how, how can I first decide within my organization of what's commodity and what's core? Like what is the real valuable thing that my business provides that is unique to me? And then on top of that is what is my path and timeline of how do I get there? And is there a path where I need to build it myself because you know it's core and whatnot to me? Or is there this concept of using open source and sort of like a leverage development model where I'm, I'm able to work with across a bunch of different organizations, a lot of different expertise and, and leverage that to help me get to my goals faster or solve problems faster. And, and I think, in, and there's no right or wrong answer, but I think that's the internal questions a company kind of has to philosophically come to. And when they get alignment on that, then many of the operational aspects, they kind I mean, they don't trivially work themselves out like they're nothing, but they become a lot easier. Like they become questions that are easier to start answering. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's one of those topics that I think people get very, um, people get very kind of confused about um, and while there's still this, this sort of, um, misunderstanding between, you know, what is, what is company proprietary IP versus what is something that, you know, can be shared and can be open with the world and the value that that organization gets from this contributing to open projects in an open ecosystem and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, while we still have this, this kind of confusion between what those two things are, I think this will always be something that will, will kind of continue. I do, I do agree. Like I do generally think it's got a lot better over the time and hopefully will will continue to do so. Yeah. And I think, and I think sometimes thinking about them is like they're, they're too, you know, proprietary for open development or just so different from each other that there's and, and they, they they just cannot come together you know we've seen like intersource really start to emerge as let's take the open source you know philosophies and and bring with our business of how we operate and sometimes like those are some of the first things to get down it's like okay yes i have maybe an ip concern but if i can at least see the value of a collaborative development that's happening across many different parts of my business units um, that we're all working together on it. You can start to you can start to begin to unpack some of the values that that come with it, and you know, and I, and I think there's there's always this sort of historical nagging that we have of companies are evil and open source, and I'm sure there are some. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know paint anybody as as a saint or a devil here, mm. but I, I I also from knowing and working with a lot of very large and very small organizations. In the end of the day, they're very pragmatic of of how they look to approach things. And, you know, I think they generally want to do as, as good as they can do by but also understanding that there's just multiple constituents and, and, and things in place. And I think that's 
then the age-old problem of like the open source business model um, that is is still never kind of fully perfected. I mean, we've seen a lot of things work. We've seen a lot of things do. We've seen the same thing done and it works one time and it doesn't the other. Um, it, it, it sort of kind of goes along with with that that same sort of mindset in there that you know it's how companies get involved is it, it it's some it, there there's just so much more than i'm bringing this code to a community mm-hmm. but there's who the company is what they're doing with that code what they're contributing back to it what their intentions are are they getting in there to bully are they getting there to help you know are actions they think are helpful actually pissing the community off um you know all of these sorts of things really come into the dynamic and sometimes you know, you as a company have to go in there with a little bit of like eyes wide open of of like, look, you know, your 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 good thing that you're trying to do, um, which is gonna you're doing it because it has a benefit to them, but it also has a benefit to you. It's gonna get perceived a number of different ways, and you sort of have to be comfortable with that, but understand that you kind of still have to stick true to sort of. Like, this is gonna sound like very like. Uh, millennial cliched, but stick true to who you are, um, and and really try to showcase of where you're trying to do right by all of this. And it's tricky, you know. Mm. I, I I I've seen it. I've seen a lot of companies that is like, geez, like we just we just wanted to open source some great code and, and get people excited about it, and then yeah. you have somebody that's flaming about something that three CEOs did before, yeah. um, and. You know, you, you just you just can't do anything about it. like, th- and you almost have to just throw your hands up. Terms, like, hey, I'm sorry, this this happened in the past. We're a different group of people. It, it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes, but we hopefully just don't make that one again. And yeah. you know, but so it's tricky. It's it's there. There's just such a there's such a tricky balance in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I mean, the the second part of the book is is around sort of this topic of running an open source project and it's a lot around like the the people topics of of the of sort of a project um and one of the the things that maybe maybe didn't get as much coverage was um sort of um you know maybe non-human interaction so things like um rather than you know, people going and talking to other people, you know, what can people discover for themselves? So you, you made some suggestions around, you know, readme files, for example, or um, of things like that, that people can kind of kind of consume to understand a little bit more about a project and that sort of thing. But, you know, that still requires someone to be aware of, um, you know, a whole set of conventions or norms for for sort of open source projects and i think sometimes it's this um that can in itself cause friction because there's sort of a an expectation from maybe you know project founders and initial group of people very familiar with the project they often find it very difficult to put themselves in the mindset of someone who is like brand new and fresh to this and it, it is the the sort of gap in the experience sometimes is can be the thing that itself causes friction so finding ways to um you know introduce people to a project in a way that meets them where they are in terms of their sort of their existing knowledge is i think one of the one of the biggest challenges and it's fine to expect people to 
you know, do their own homework before they ask questions. But if they don't even know what that homework is, mm -hmm. it, it can be a real kind of challenge for people, I think. Oh, yes. You ever, you ever see like the company website that you look at like their navigation, you're like, I'm pretty sure I know how their company like org chart works because I can look at their their navigation and find, oh, there's, there's five, you know, top headers. That must be the five departments of the company and <laughs> all of that. Like, I think sometimes we, there, there's always the perception of what our project is internally and then what the mm. perception of it is externally. And your journey to getting to your point and especially for a developer, because your your journey to get to your point in your project is all the code that you have written to get there. So it is hard, and I think I think Dave, you've really you've really caught that really well. It is hard for someone that has went through the journey of how you got to this point in your project by writing a whole bunch of code to understand of well, how can somebody who didn't write all of that code know how to get to that same point? Yeah, and and be successful with it and. You know, you I mean, you see you see product companies that really really struggle with this at times, and you know, I mean, there's 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 large companies that invest millions and millions and millions of dollars into this, and more often than not, get it right, but a lot of times, you know, completely whiff or you know even just get nuances of it wrong. Um, and and with an open source project, you just don't you don't you don't have that luxury of of time and money to go solve these problems. So, it, one of the things that 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 I really when I talk with open source projects, I say, you know, optimize for what you can in the part of the life cycle that you're in, like, and really focus on making that really good. Um, I think one of the chapters we went through Mautic is an example, and you sort of saw that at various points in their journey, their their focuses and how they measured their success and things like that were based upon where they were at in their journey. I mean, yes, they they could have like the BHAG out there be like the greatest open source marketing automation system known to man or woman or what have you. But you, there, there's so many steps to how you get there and being able to kind of like manage each of those steps, but then measure what the goals and what the things that you're trying to accomplish are, are sort of the tricky things. And and I think that kind of goes right back to the point where where you're saying there of like, it being in that other person's mindset is 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 really 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 hard to do and and sometimes you and, and sometimes even as a developer you're kind of like well geez like i know all these things why don't you mm. well because you wrote the thing you should know it um <laughs> that would be a problem if you didn't yeah. uh, maybe maybe be surprised by things i suppose but uh it, it's it, it is really tricky and it's it's often just a different skill set with with people all together of being successful um yeah that, so yeah there's there's a lot to do with i think with um things like empathy and um and you know levels of of self-awareness tied to empathy that really help and you can definitely spot when people struggle with those areas because those are the the times when it really crops up yeah, oh seen, yeah there's the there's so many there's so many aspects of the interpersonal communication, which I think there's an entire chapter that just gets into that. And it's it's so hard sometimes to think past the, the circumstance that you're in to understand like what are all the levels and nuggets of the story that got to this mm -hmm. point. You know, even just as something as simple as somebody drops into a community and just starts asking, you know, a bunch of questions and people like, well, read the book and go do this and go do that. Like, why are you here answer all these questions? I mean, 
maybe they just showed up on this thing and they're like, I don't even know where to start. Maybe, maybe, maybe you as a community don't have a great way for people to discover these answers. Um, maybe these fairy fellows just new to the domain space. You know, maybe they've read all that stuff and it's it's whatever. Maybe they just learn better by talking to people versus going yeah. and reading books. Um, I hope none of your audience does because they need to go buy this book. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, we just we have different styles of things. And and, you know, on the flip side of that, all those people, the projects that are negative reacting, are you negative reacting because you're frustrated that person's asking that question? Or are you negative reacting because it's somehow you feel it poorly reflects on you as a human that you didn't do a good enough job? of making it so that person wouldn't come to have to ask you a question, which again, sounds really, really screwed up on one sense, but mm. in, in, in a lot of sense, like if you look at open source project maintainers, they it's, it's not just the code and technology, but it's almost like a reflection of themselves. Like they're putting so much, you know, when you have something that you are passionate about, you put so much of yourself into it. And when somebody goes through there, and criticizes or asks questions or doesn't pick a part of that, you know, it, it's 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 a psychological, like physiological thing where yeah. you know you move from having sort of this upper brain thought process of very logically working through it to this negative vein of these people are assholes. Like I hopefully <laughs> incorrectly in iTunes, um, you know, these people are assholes and. You know, why, why are you criticizing me? Like, what do you, you know, read the thing, go do this, go there. Why are you, know, come back when you know something. And, and, and again, it's, 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 it's really, 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 really hard when you, when you have something like that, you have such strong identity from. And, and again, you, and you could just get into all sorts of different levels to think about it. I, I think the empathy aspect is a really, really important one to consider in that. Like yeah. when somebody is coming and asking a question, or making that feedback comment, or making that remark about it, like understanding what they're saying at face value, but then trying to understand sort of the different levels that could be behind it, and you may not know all of those, but 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 trying to trying to kind of take a lot of them to count, it's really hard. It, yeah, it's it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I was reading this part, I mean, I know you wrote this book from the point of view of the project maintainers, the the, the leaders of the project, but uh, I was thinking about myself and the reason that when I do contribute, I always do it anonymously because I'm never convinced that what I contribute is worth anything. And that called imposter syndrome, call whatever you want, it's a step as a, as a, as a contributor you have to take in saying, okay, I believe that this is good enough to be shared with these gods, these demigods that have this beautiful project out there. And I don't think, maybe I missed it, but I don't think you actually captured that in the book. And well, you have a chance now. How would you suggest that a maintainer project lead could try to get the shy people actually to commit? It's a very difficult one. I would have, I have no idea how you could do this. But uh, you're the expert here. And you uh, wrote a book about it. <laughs> I, I did write a book, and I probably didn't get into that enough because I, I, I've ran into it, um, especially a couple of my projects in um, the motion picture industry, because a lot of the lead, a lot of the maintainers of those projects are Academy Award winners, or you know, um, you know, have won you know various different SciTech awards and things like that. And you know, me as and me as someone who maybe doesn't, you know, if I'm coming in there as a newer developer and, and I see some sort of, you know, issue or whatever in a, in a library like OpenEXR, 
I might be scared to like go to those people. Like maybe I'm the idiot. You're exactly right. And and it's and it's a very like honest and very vulnerable thing for you even to say, John, is like is is that aspect of it. Cause I think a lot of people don't think about that aspect. And especially as a maintainer, mm-hmm. you sit there and you're like, oh geez, I got all these leeches out here in the community that just take and take and take and don't give me anything. Maybe they think like you're unapproachable. Yeah. And maybe it's and it's not because it's nothing you have personally done but it is just your status within that project that does it. And what, what, and that's an intentional thing you have to get past. And, you know, there's lots of ways that I've seen communities really start to unpack this. Some of the simplest ways are those maintainers are going out there and looking to those people and, and thanking them and saying, Hey, this is really cool. Thank you for taking the time to go look at this. Thank you for taking the time to go give me a pull request. Thank you for the time for opening issue, especially if it's the first one you do. Like, I think I think that's like a great practice that any open source project, even though it's it's a lot of overhead to do, going and saying, hey, thank you. Like, this is really helpful. Like, I think one of the um, uh, contribution guides that I think it was maybe it was Onyx, I can't remember in the book that I referenced, that was like one of the first paragraphs they said is like, before anything else of how to contribute, yeah. thank you for even thinking about wanting to contribute and and just enough of that because what i have a feeling is and correct me if i'm wrong part of it is that if you would make that contribution i wouldn't say like you wouldn't feel appreciated but you'd be worried more about being i don't want to say underappreciated but kind of like Maybe underappreciated is the term. I don't know. Like there, there's sort of the stigma of like how how would I be perceived by them? But if you sort of knew that that group was gonna welcome you no matter what, mm-hmm. and was gonna appreciate the fact that you even you even took time out of exactly. your day to do that, I I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. But I do wonder would that would that sort of lower that barrier to you and make it like okay, I guess I'll put my name John on this or or be more willing to go forward. Uh, yeah, it was. And I mean, in the book, you do talk about uh, when somebody contributes, send them a thank you note. Yeah. The thing is that if uh, they contribute something and you send them a thank you note, I don't see that. So the Onyx example you gave by just having it on the website that, hey, you're reading this website. Thank you so yeah. much just for reading this. Yeah. That actually gives a, mm. but again, Otis is a, a huge project with very complicated stuff. I mean, I've been, in, I've culture. looked at it. Like- it sets that culture right out of the yeah. gate of saying, you know, look, we appreciate what people are bringing to the table. Like but, we don't know it all, and, and we, yeah. And the culture also fights against it a little bit because, I mean, you don't want to call it a meritocracy. I do like the word still. You in the book, you have some negative connotations, so you call it a duocracy, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that it is a meritocracy or duocracy, whatever, makes it chicken and the egg problem. As long as I haven't committed something, I'm not in the group. So I can't commit yeah. something because I'm not in the group. <laughs> yeah, it's very and, annoying and, to and, of. And, and that is, and that is, and that is really one of the overarching problems in there. And especially when you're saying, okay, I'm not in that group. I need to contribute something, but I don't want to. I'm worried of contributing something because those people are not like me. Maybe I'll cause problems. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe the project community is a whole bunch of white dudes, and it's a person of color or a female, mm. and they're like. Am I just going to be, you know, harassed, not thought of? Like, 
you know, what have you, like, do I fit in with this? I mean, uh, there's just so many different like cultural levels that, that fit there, that it's, it's, yeah, for me, it's, it's be challenging. It's not a harassment point of view. It's more of the point that I think, well, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's even a harassment thing, but I think it's just more of like a subconscious thing of like, these are people that are not like me and I'm trying to fit into that. Um, yeah, no, for me, it's more of a, I've, I've written this piece of code. I've made this patch and I think it's brilliant, but maybe it's stupid. If I commit that and it turns out in a mailing list, oh, that idiot sent that in and he broke a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, <laughs> I mean, the next last chapter of the book, you actually go into the fact that this can actually be a, a, a career builder for you. You can, you can put yeah. it on your CV, but that also makes it dangerous. If I do, if I do an oopsie, <laughs> it also gets out there, right? And that it's a very open source. It has opened at the beginning of the whole sentence. So it's in the open there. So it, there is a threshold of people that aren't comfortable with just putting yourself out there. And if I fall flat on my face, I'll fall flat on my face and I'll learn that that hurts. Yeah. There's a thing, there's a thing there. I, I think some, some projects have this, uh, this concept of kind of, you know, newbie or you've just got started or, you know, if you know nothing, start here or, Easy, easy projects for people looking yeah, that, to. That's something to I like very much. If the project has just a list of these, are the easy to just start mm. out. Pick one of these five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like people, I think any project that puts the time and effort into providing some sort of guided path for people that are new to a project, um, specifically new to a project, and are interested in contributing, I think that makes a massive impact versus. Like lots of projects provide like easy ways to on ramp into a project, like mm -hmm. you know go and deploy it. You know here's how to get it started. Here's how to get it up and running. But there are far fewer projects that put a, a, any significant amount of time and effort into. Hey, if it, like here's a you know um, an easy to consume guide to if you've just got an idea or got a thought or got some feedback or got something like this. Here's how you can reach us and. One other piece that I found really useful is like some some examples. Some of them have like examples of you know what good looks like and mm -hmm. um, and how to kind of improve your chances of um, of these kind of uh, these kind of contributions being accepted. So it it should you know those things in my mind take some of the 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 sort of the pressure you know call it imposter syndrome call it what you whatever you want but take a little bit of the anxiety out of things for some people depending again depending on the circumstance I think yeah. your your point John around you know someone you know thinking about the the culture of of the the group of people that they're connected to it could be very different from kind of Jon's concern of like will these these group of people think I'm an idiot to you know who knows what other concerns or areas like other people may have but it all a lot of it and, and again drastically simplifying things but for me a lot of this comes down to your um, you know, you're being, you are by contributing something to an open source project in some way, shape or form, you are becoming vulnerable to a group of people that you don't know. And, yeah. you know, sharing that level of vulnerability, regardless of how that particular vulnerability is exposed is something that, you know, is one of those growth things for, for people to experience and navigate through and get to the other side of.
that is a really insightful way to think about that. And I, I couldn't agree more because I think that's, you're exactly right. Like all of this boils down to of like, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself in a group that you don't know. And you're putting out what you think will make you acceptable to them. Mm. You know, I mean, it's the same way that, um, you know, my daughter plays uh, club volleyball. And, you know, I remember when she was first getting into it, like she was dead nervous going i remember going to her first tournament and she was like dead petrified of being there absolutely petrified because she just didn't know like am i mm. am i good am i not yeah. good like how do i fit into all of this and you know over time you know the barriers started lowering down um and you know different things start popping up but i think i think that's sort of it really would it you know there's just so many facets of life of when we are going into an experience or group that we don't completely know that's that's your vulnerability. Maybe maybe that's what we should do at open source. Is we should like we should have like a GitHub. Like maybe GitHub should do this. Is like pick like the the top one hundred most prolific open source you know committer uh, you know maintainers or contributors whatever, and post their worst pull requests. <laughs> and just to yeah. lay out the playing field, like yeah. you know somebody you know somebody that like you know made a pull request that creates an infinite loop or you know or you know something just crazy shit like that. Maybe maybe that would be you know sort of good. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't know. Like yeah, it, it's like, been just, funny because you meet a lot of these people and it's like they're just like people like you and I. Like they're yeah, they, they happen to do something really cool, but they're but just, they made they made right plenty now. of mistakes to get there. Like we all yeah. do, we all do, mm -hmm. we all continue to do. Like that's how we all learn. And uh, I think it's 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 just it's that extra layer of making those mistakes in the open that that kind of tips people over the edge uh, mm -hmm. of sort of the 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 anxiety the the kind of overexposure that sort of thing but i i do think it's a it's something that not many people think of when they're trying to kind of attract uh, mm -hmm. contributors to a project is you know how how you might be perceived by someone that's just coming into this and and kind of figuring out what that looks like for the first time. So, I think oh, exactly. I think it's I think it's a great uh, kind of great topic. And that's it, sadly, for the second part of the interview. It's not done yet. There's more goodness to come. But a big thank you again to John for joining us on the podcast. It's always fun when he when he's around and. As was demonstrated again, we never know what we're going to talk about until we actually talk about it. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, always a good, always a good discussion with John, and kind of interesting, just interesting exploring different things that uh, you know we don't generally. I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about uh, day in day out. So always, uh, always good to have a little peek behind the curtain as to what's going on. Well, maybe we don't think we think about it, but talking about it is the next step. Mm -hmm. It's the fun part about doing the podcast. Indeed, indeed. Well. Unless there's anything else from you, nope. then that is all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, do all the YouTube things. You can also go to roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and much more information about the podcast. Follow us on Twitter occasionally using <laughs> the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is 
still excited and enthralled to talk to John and Jon. Dave? And my name is... I haven't had enough time to think about a good outro. Jon? <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you <laughs> next week. Wow, what great preparation there. Hey, at least I didn't do what you did like three episodes or four episodes ago and just <laughs> stay silent for like five minutes. So I think I did better. Goodbye. Hey, silence, silence is golden. That was golden. Not on a podcast. Not on a podcast. I keep, I have to remind you every single episode. <laughs> I mean, our audience might disagree. They might actually quite like some silence from us. But anyway. We just asked for feedback, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's close this off. Goodbye. <laughs> See you then.